Hey, Lauren, what do you define as a summer essential? Here, I'll run a few by you. You tell me whether it is or isn't. Bucket hat? Mm-hmm. Bike shorts? Oh, yeah. Yoga mat? Mm-hmm. Well, some good news. These are just a few of the new summer-ready products you can create with spring and share with your fans. You can also design things like water bottles, tumblers, t-shirts, all kinds of things your fans need for those long summer days. And the best part? Spring takes care of shipping, payment, customer service, all that back-end stuff. Spread some summer love for your fans. Head to spring to start creating. That's S-P-R-I This week on Creator Upload. OnlyFans metrics are coming. YouTube's $100, the $10,000 shorts fund could sound sexier. Why are TikToks disappearing? And YouTube has the best quarter of them all. Welcome to Creator Upload, your creator economy podcast. I am Lauren Schnipper. And I'm Joshua Cohen. Lauren, welcome back from vacay. Thank you. It was well-deserved and uh, I feel great about it. Me too. We serendipitously had vacation the same week. Can you believe it? So that was efficient for podcast recording purposes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I myself went to a tiny house for a few days. You did not. (laughs) You did? I did. And I understand the idea of tiny houses now. I have this whole theory and philosophy about them. But, you, but you're like, this is actually with children, the worst idea ever. Yeah, I actually like my children. So the fact that I get to kind of sleep with them in the same room. Oh, my God. I had the, the Wait, I retweeted the most genius meme the other day that wait, I have to hold on. Not retweeted. I don't tweet. I Instagrammed, restoried, whatever you want to call it. Wait for it. You ready? Me. I'm tired. Women everywhere. Just enjoy the time with your kids. It doesn't last. Me. I said I'm tired. Not that I hate my children, Janet. I'm allowed to fucking feel things. <laughs> yes. Uh, the straw man, Janet. The straw person, Janet. Straw human, Janet human. is always a good one. She's a human. Oh, my God. So funny. It's so good. That was from Lulu and Lats. Your daily dose of good. Uh, that's their Instagram. That's who I, I re-rammed that from. Lulu and Lats. Go check them out. Now has the Lauren Snipper recommendation. Seal of approval. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what the deal is with tiny houses and I'll put it in the context of what would make sense for this podcast. They're the vine of domiciles. So they're done in like five minutes. <laughs> Who's going to acquire that? No, they're just you have such a small space and you're confined by that space and therefore you need to get creative. OK, so my husband was never happier than when we went on an Alaskan cruise with my parents for their wedding anniversary because every crevice has a purpose in, in a cruise like, you know, ship room or whatever. I'm not a cruise person and certainly will never be going on one again. Um, I mean, you know, COVID. Anyway, but he, but I, but I understand that concept. People love like purpose for every place. And here's what it is. It's one, it's a lot easier to make a tiny house super nice because it's obviously less square footage. So you can have like better materials, mm-hmm. nicer living spaces, etc. And two, it, I think, forces individuals to live the lifestyle that they wish they could live, but can't just do it in a big house where they have extra space they can fill up What do you mean? Stuff. What does that mean? Like the life they want to live? I don't understand. Because I feel like people want to live in a clean house where things are put away that isn't just messy all the time. I'm obviously speaking like this is very revealing, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's the goal for lots of people. And living in a tiny space, you're confined to that and you have to do it because uh, of the restrictions. One time Josh saw how clean my house was and his immediate comment was like, you must be really mean to your kids, which means his house is a disaster. 
Like literally, he was like, "They're the only way to do this is if you're like horrible to your children." Is what he said. Yeah, which I'm I am, just, I'm just, I'm just not. nice to my kids. I'm just nice to my kids. But check out this transition, Lauren. You know who could buy a lot of tiny houses? Tell me, Corinna Cop. Do you know who she is? Yes, but I can't remember right now because I'm in vacation mode. So I mean, I'm getting out of vacation mode. What? What? Who's that again? She's a member of the Vlog Squad. Has been a member of the Vlog Squad since like day one. Mm-hmm has a popular YouTube channel and Instagram account and social media presence in and of herself, had dated members of the vlog squad and other prominent people in the online video space. And at the end of June, debuted her OnlyFans, where in the first 24 to 48 hours, she had made a million dollars. Wow. What is she doing on that though? Can you tell me what she's doing? Is she naked? No judgment. I'm just curious. Yes, she says she's naked. Got it. And then she just revealed on another recent episode of David Dobrik's podcast, which is back, by the way, weekly, that she's made $4 million so far on OnlyFans, wow. which is fascinating for a couple reasons. One, that's a lot of dough for someone to make doing anything. I mean, should we just do like a week of naked podcasts for $4 million and then we could just like call it? I mean, I might do it if it's like a month. Like, what are we like? What are we talking I think I think we need to build up our other social media presences first. But shows you if you're female and you have a robust social media following, you can make a lot of dough by going on OnlyFans. Two, through the process of like writing this story, discovered that there is also an OnlyFans stats page that is getting now millions of views a month. It's called Fans Metrics. It is not safe for work because it features some images from OnlyFans, but it's Mm fansmetrics.com. And basically you can go in and type in anyone's OnlyFans account And I don't know how they do it. It honestly seems a little bit shady, but they have some semblance of at least being in the ballpark. Because if you look at Corinna Comp's OnlyFans on Mm fansmetrics.com, it estimates that she has over 129,000 subscribers and is earning between two and $2.6 million a month which seems pretty spot on. But why is it estimated? Do they, do they not tell you how many followers you have? I, I don't know. Yeah, d- different people can reveal different things on OnlyFans and it's kind of unclear how they're getting this information mm-hmm. because for some other people, like if you search for Tana Manjo, mm-hmm. it doesn't have her monthly earnings. It says she has 34,000 plus subscribers, but that's just an estimate. It doesn't seem accurate compared to what Corinna has. Mm-hmm. Maybe these people turned off certain metrics, had them on and then turned them off. So then there's a less realistic number that the mm-hmm. fans metric size can get. In any case... Kind of fascinating. This fan metric site too, getting like 2 million hits a month has just skyrocketed in traffic in the past couple months as obviously more people are getting interested in metrics like this because OnlyFans is becoming a big, robust business with people like Corinna making $4 million a month on it. It's also just interesting that like, and, and I just, and I, and I say this genuinely, like I feel like you, she's not, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like she's not being shamed for it where like it's a very new thing that somebody can go and make a lot of money essentially doing things naked and otherwise sexual. I don't know. I don't think this is hurting her credibility or anything like that. That's kind of new if you think about it. You know what I mean? To be clear, I'm sure she's getting shamed for it. But yes, the overarching response to this is not shame. Correct. Like I think there there was a time it's like, not that this is porn, but you do porn, you are in a certain category. You take your clothes off, you are in a certain category, period. That was black and white. And I just don't think that's what it is anymore. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I feel like it's it's really interesting how a younger generation views all of this. I think it's because this younger generation has been online so much and has revealed so much of themselves online through all these different social media platforms that they realize that it's not that big of a deal doing this stuff online where people our age, like if you had a red solo cup in a Facebook photo, you were told to remove it 
so your future employer wouldn't see that you were potentially drinking at a party even when you were 22 years old. So it's just a different paradigm we live in now. I applaud it. This is totally cool. People got to get their bags how they want. And this seems like a great way to do it if the person feels comfortable doing it. And I do think it's very cool to see the response be supportive and congratulatory, or at least a much greater portion of the response is supportive and congratulatory than it would have been even two or three years ago. Okay. Let's get into some bigger stories. It is finally time. YouTube has announced the money that is going to dispense in their shorts fund, which they announced back, I think, in May. They're going to be giving out monthly payments from anywhere from $100,000 to $10,000 to thousands of creators through this fund. Very interesting. So here, here's the rules that are set in sort of stone, right? So requirements, you must have uploaded an original short within the last 180 days. Content needs to adhere to the community guidelines and like, and also uh, no copyright infringements, all that sort of stuff. Uh, channels uploading third-party, quote-unquote, social media platform, you know, content or content with watermarks, not eligible, related, unoriginal content will be eligible. You must be in an eligible country because it's not everywhere yet. And you have to be, you know, meet the age requirement 13 plus. If you're 13 to 18, you have to have a parent, um, you know, guardian that's like helping your account and the money goes to them before it goes to you. So those are, the, those are the things that are sort of set in stone. What is sort of not set in stone is kind of everything else, Right. So the eligibility and like how you know you're going to get this money literally will refresh every single month. Um, so what will it be based on? Viewership, engagement, and with the other short videos, um, you know, that's kind of all they're sort of, there's a quote, YouTube declined to share the exact viewership thresholds creators will have to reach to earn payouts, saying that those numbers will change from month to month. That was from TechCrunch. So, you know, it will determine how it calculates the thresholds by analyzing the best performances of channels and then calculating their bonuses based on the number of factors, which includes views, where their audience is located and more, which is just I, where their audience is located being a factor is very interesting because what does that mean? I just have a lot of questions about that. So it's... um. It's very vague. And the one sense I know why they make these things vague because they don't want people to game the system. On the other hand, like how will people know what to do? People are going to try to game it anyway. Lots of questions about it. Josh, discuss. I think it's a total missed opportunity here, honestly, from a YouTube PR perspective. Interesting. And marketing perspective because of this vagueness and because they didn't come out with this big number. Like with Snapchat Spotlight series, they said, okay, we're going to give away a million dollars to creators. Mm -hmm. And we're going to constrain the amount of creators that we're going to give that million dollars to so that these creators are all going to get sizable, meaningful checks of at least in the three-figure range. Mm -hmm. So YouTube is seemingly doing the same kind of thing, but saying they're going to give monthly payments to thousands of creators from $100 to $10,000 just doesn't really have the same ring to it. And they're doing this to one, just generate more content for the Shorts platform, mm -hmm. but also to let creators know that they can make some dough on this. And it's a missed opportunity for that latter rationale because this just doesn't have like a big shiny number around it that right. I think is going to attract lots of creators to be like, oh, now I can make some dough. It's like, oh, now I can make $100 a month maybe. It's just not as sexy. They said it's a $100 million commitment over the next two years. So that number was announced before. So yes, that number is large and I know that, but this announcement after seems kind of like a wah wah. Well, it's just it's just very, very, very vague. Like there's just there's no direction at all, which is just difficult for people. I mean, they're like, okay, I guess I'll just put stuff up and see what sticks, which I guess is what you're doing anyway, but it's just you at least know, okay, if I'm gonna have a certain number of views, if I this and that, like that you know, you have a certain level of expectation. What this doesn't allow for is any sort of 
stability because you can't rely on something that you have no idea what's coming next, right? Like what if somebody's like, oh my God, I got like checks this month and then they, you know, they go away. It just, it's very confusing. Right. So one thing I thought that was worded well, but honestly was kind of buried in their announcement was that the Shorts Fund marks the 10th way on YouTube that creators and artists can monetize. I think that's a significant kind of number, right? And Matt Koval, who is, you know, we haven't talked about him in a while. He's like the YouTube, he works at YouTube, used to be a creator. He's like the YouTube kind of liaison guy or whatever. He did a, he did a couple videos on it, you know, on his, I went on his Twitter and it was kind of like, which one of the 10 ways are you monetizing on YouTube? Which is, I kind of like that framework and that marketing, right? Like we have all these different things you can do. Like, which one are you doing? Yeah, I agree with you. YouTube should be shouting this part from every rooftop they can and putting it on every billboard possible. Just the different ways creators can make money on the platform and the overall number, dollar amount, figure Mm -hmm. that creators are making on any given day, week or month. Because they're giving out orders of magnitude more dollars to creators than any other platform. But then they come out with announcements that we're going to give 10 to $1,000 to thousands of creators a month just doesn't have the same ring to it. Then, yo, in the past two weeks, we've given creators a billion dollars or several hundred million or whatever the figure is. Now this is a new way we're giving creators even more money to. I mean, I think your main issue is just with the marketing team. So I think you guys need, you should, you should get on, get on, get on the call and give them some feedback. And then just another kind of product update for TikTok. Big shocker here, folks. TikTok is launching a test of what is it? TikTok stories, which vanish after 24 hours. TikTok spokesperson said to Variety, We're always thinking about new ways to bring value to our community and enrich the TikTok experience. Currently, we're experimenting with ways to give creators additional formats to bring their creative ideas to life for the TikTok community with stories. Original, but not. (laughs) Who is more frustrated by this? Evan Spiegel or head of Instagram, Adam Masseri? I don't even think they're thinking about it. I think at this point, Adam Masseri is like, what took you so long? Like, they're just like, great, finally happened, moving on. I mean, like... Snap, which we'll get to, which had like a banner quarter, you know, they're not they're not relying on stories as their big differentiator at this point. I mean, they can't be. So I, I don't think they're even like thinking about it. Why does TikTok launch stories? Feedback that people want it. It's interesting because TikTok has kind of these lo-fi stakes already where, yes, some TikToks take a lot of time, energy and effort to produce and they're very curated. But By and large, TikTok exists and it's TikTok because it's very easy to create really compelling content and for basically anyone with a phone to do so. And so then like lowering the stakes even more and now just having stories, I wonder how that fits into their product roadmap and how they want creators to use the product. It's not differentiated at all, right, in terms of really what, they, what they're already doing. What I will say is interesting is that I was just with my 17-year-old niece for like basically two weeks and she is on Snap and TikTok. That's it. She's barely on Instagram. And she's like, she has a Facebook account, but that's pretty much where that begins and ends. And she messages on Snap and she's, I mean, she's on TikTok all the time. She was like telling, you know, every day there's like a new trend. There's this thing people were making with like cornstarch, which is like this gooey thing. And that was a thing like last week. And I'm like, what? So, I mean, this is where the kids are. And so... This is fascinating. Would she use TikTok for messaging? I mean, I think the answer is like, where are her friends? Like, that's their messaging. I was asking her, by the way, because I was just like, you know, when I was her age, I was on the phone with my girlfriends all the time. I mean, on the phone. I was like, do people call anymore? She's like, no, not really. 
they'll FaceTime sometimes, like every now and again, but it's mostly Snapchat messaging. That's how people talk. And she's not texting, she's snap messaging. Is it just text through Snapchat messaging or is she sending photos, images, anything else? I would catch her a lot of times, like in the corner, like wherever we were, like we were like on Martha's Vineyard and there'd be like duck lips, you know what I mean? Like like with a background. (laughs) And sending that just to her close friends on Snap. Yeah, yeah. She's not somebody that does things very publicly. So definitely, yeah. A lot of duck clips. That's fascinating. Did she consume any of the Snap Originals or any Discover no, shows no, or any no, programming no. there? All, all, the, all the content consumption was, I would say 90% of it was TikTok. I think there was a little bit of Instagram just because like our family's on Instagram and stuff like that. And um, there'll be a grid post every now and again on Instagram. But then she is like, even, you know, since she's had Instagram has like deleted most of her grid, if not all of it, and started over like 20 times. Like the idea of things being there forever, at least for her and her friends, is just like the kiss of death. They don't want that forever. You know, I mean, think about what you thought was cute and adorable when you were like 14 versus like 17. You're like, ew, gross. Get that off. You know what I mean? So yeah, that makes sense. I guess if I was TikTok, I would just start to heavily invest in a really dope chat or messaging product. Yeah. Yeah. No, makes sense. Instead of this disappearing stories and everything else, that's where I put a ton of my time, energy and effort and make it really cool and really seamless to be able to chat through the app. Yeah. Again, product feedback from Joshua Cohen. For free, ladies and gentlemen, for free. For free. free. Okay. Next up, let's talk about all these earnings. So we'll start back with YouTube. So YouTube first reports a record $7 billion in ad revenue, saying shorts generates 15 billion views a day. So the seven billion has run eleven percent of the also record-setting sixty-one point nine billion that Alphabet, the parent company, brought in. That's one billion dollars more than YouTube earned in the first quarter of twenty twenty-one. And basically, they've except for like a small teeny dip during COVID, this has basically been up year over year since Q two of twenty twenty. Lauren, you know it's been about a year and a half, two years maybe since Alphabet, YouTube's parent company, started breaking out. YouTube's ad revenue into this new bucket. So this is really interesting data we're getting. Love to see it. Also worth noting that in Q2 2020, this number for YouTube ad revenue was 3.8 billion. Now it's just a little over 7 billion. So some 80 some odd percent jump in the past year. But what still you can't quite figure out, though you can guess, is the exact number that went to creators of the 7 billion. You can do some easy back in the napkin math and just say 7 billion, multiply it by 55%. That gives you 3.85 billion, which could represent the top end of what YouTube is paying creators out during that quarter, though there are some YouTube ad offerings that it doesn't split with creators, like ads on the homepage, for instance, which are very expensive. YouTube's not splitting that ad revenue with creators because that's just generated from whatever traffic YouTube's homepage gets Mm -hmm. and isn't related to a specific creator's channel. Mm -hmm. Still, if you round this down, let's just say $3 billion in a quarter. Again, they got to be shouting this out from every rooftop. I don't know why they're not. I mean, I don't think that they're not. I think they're talking about it. They could be more, Lauren. They could be more. Okay. Well, I'll tell you who's shouting. Evan Spiegel, because Snapchat had their biggest quarterly growth in users and revenue than it hasn't had in four years. 293 million daily users, an increase of 55 million users, or 23%, over the Q2 last year. Revenue is 116% year-over-year growth to 982 million. Spotlight, their hub, grew 49%, which is very interesting. Content submissions tripled. Times by users also climbed 60%. Evan Spiegel, though, he was saying they have not implemented ads in Spotlight yet. He said, we've done small testing with advertising in Spotlight so that we're ready 
when we want to turn it on. But for now, we're just really focused on the core experience. We've got a great roadmap of improvements, and we just don't want the team to get distracted, frankly, with monetization at this point. He's full of shit. They're totally trying to figure it out. They just haven't rolled it out yet because they don't know what they're doing. Right. They're not trying to monetize this. Please. Interesting. Thoughts? Snapchat's just killing it, and I think it's because only 17-year-olds who make duck lips in the corner of Martha's Vineyard or wherever you're at are the ones that are using it. And many people in media and who are older and decision makers on Wall Street just like aren't using it as much. So they don't see what a beast it is. What is interesting though, and I think worth noting here is that in previous quarterly earning calls, Evan has been all about the Spotlight program mm-hmm. and touted how like much of a success it is. And Here he was more reserved and talking about the growth and talking about how much revenue they're paying out from it. Snapchat also shifted away from saying they're giving away a million dollars a day to now saying it's millions per month. Mm -hmm. So something's up there. I think obviously the program is still probably performing well for them. They're continuing to do it, but maybe lost the luster or heat that it had when it first started especially as, I mean, maybe YouTube shorts is a factor here too. Maybe creators are deciding like, hey, I only have so much time in a day. Where am I going to put my efforts into building my career? But you're suggesting this is the not a positive earnings. This is hugely positive. No, I think the earnings are totally positive. I just think it's worth noting that they're not as bullish on Spotlight now as they have been in the past. I, I, you know, I'm reading this totally differently. I think he's just trying to play it cool because they don't want to roll something out that's shitty and broken because that's what everybody else does. And they're just trying to make it work before they roll it out. Fair. And that's Evan's track record, too. Totally. But what do you take away about giving now away millions of dollars per month instead of a million dollars per day? I mean, because any company would be an idiot if they give our million dollars a day forever. There was a certain big executive at Facebook when I was there when we were trying to figure out monetizing. And he was like, I don't know. I mean, YouTube has to give away 55% of its money, like 55 cents on the dollar. It doesn't seem like a great business model to me. (laughs) And so that was like, and he's not wrong, right? And so I feel like all these programs are just until until they get them hooked. I mean, this is not meant to be forever. So I mean, if anything, it shows that people are on it. So they need to give away less because people are there. That's the half full way to look at it. Twitter brought in more than $1 billion in last quarter with ad sales. Twitter accredited this to better than expected performance across all major products and geographics. They saw a broad increase in investor demand throughout the quarter. And that is an 87% year over year jump from the amount of revenue it earned before. So fascinating. Twitter also getting rid of fleets, which was universally liked by everyone on Twitter. And I think respected by people who really see a big Twitter and big growth for Twitter in the future because they were like, okay, Twitter tried something. It's not working. They're getting rid of it. They're iterating fastly. And that's going to open space up at the top of your feed to see spaces. I'm telling you, when Twitter makes it so you can search for spaces and categorizes that easily, it's going to be a game changer. Everyone's going to be on spaces. It's going to be dope. Okay, Josh, I think we did it. Lauren, I think we got it. I will see you via your TikTok channel and only interact with you via Snapchat Messenger. Duck face and all. (laughs) If not there, then next week on Creator Upload. Today's show was produced by Lauren Schnipper and me, Joshua Cohen. It's edited by Jason Kang. And original music is by London Bridge. You can check him out on Instagram at London Bridge Music. You should. He's great. We also did an interview with him a few episodes back in Creator Upload. Check it out. Fabulous listen. Make sure you also subscribe to Creator Upload wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, give us a rating, leave us a comment, email us. Info at creatorupload.com. 
do it. We read them all and they put a smile on our faces. If you like our show, please recommend it to a friend. If you love our show, recommend it to everyone in sight. Thank you for listening to Creator Upload and we will be back next week.